You're listening to the Grieving Mamas Club podcast, a space for moms who are on the wild ride of motherhood while navigating their grief journey. We're Karen Rashida. Between the two of us, we're motherless moms of four toddlers and an angel baby. Together, we're going to feel our feels, but also remind you that there's joy on the journey too. Let's dig in. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode five of the Grieving Mamas Club. Um, I'm really, really excited for this episode for a couple of reasons, um, mainly because it's the first guest that Kara and I have had in a while. Like, I think the last guest we had was, she. I don't even know, probably of like September of last year. Wow. Yeah. So it's been it's been a minute. Um, yeah. so I'm really excited to then heat our guest chair up, um, with a personal friend of mine, um, who actually gave me the idea for this um topic for this episode. I mean, over a year ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kara coming into her motherhood, um, as a second time mom with Brooksy boy and his diagnosis, um. Our guest today is going to talk about that, what it's like to be um, a mom who is, I don't want to say grieving a normal childhood. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see my air quotes. I don't want to say grieving a normal child, but I do childhood, but I do think there is a special grief journey for mamas who are having to navigate a motherhood dif- that is different, th- different than they expected it to be, right? Yeah. Um, due to the diagnosis of one of their babies or like any kind of diagnosis right so um i'm thrilled to i call i call kara my twin flame but i also call this guest my mom bae um and so i am super thrilled yeah because she'd be cocktailing out there with me y'all yeah so i'm super super thrilled to to welcome to the the podcast chair miss caitlin ladd yay Okay, so that intro, I I don't know how I'm gonna live up to that. That was great, and I am really excited to be here. And like we said, I think we've like danced around in different like circles, and then mm-hmm. yeah, keep popping up in each other's lives. And so I think it's a kind of a divine intervention type of thing or something. But yeah, this is awesome, and I am excited to be here and kind of talk about a different journey or connection with motherhood and grief. I think that really, you know, sometimes people forget about. So yeah, yeah. So, Caitlin, if you will, um, talk us through your son's diagnosis, um, what it is, <laughs> and how how it came to be. Yeah, definitely. So, um, just a little background about me. Uh, mm-hmm. I am a mom of two, so we'll be talking specifically about the diagnosis of my oldest. Um, his name is Harrison. He's now eight, and he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, or what people usually call, oh, I will say old school as juvenile diabetes. <laughs> and honestly, before a whole diagnosis journey, um, I had always thought of juvenile diabetes as something that you saw like on one of the infomercials, you know, 90s kids growing up and, 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 and all those pieces. But um, it has now been formally renamed as type 1 diabetes. And it's really different than type 2. And I always like to make sure to mention that because Often, and this will go kind of into some of the <laughs> toxic positivity that goes along with with chronic illness or yep, children. We just talked about this. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so when type two, which is what most people have, mm-hmm. um, adults, right? 
adults have it. Yeah. And so, um, and there's a very small population of kids that sometimes have it, but it's usually induced by like weight and can be controlled typically by, you know, diet and exercise. But essentially what's happening in the body is that the pancreas is no longer producing insulin. And so um, in contrast to that, type one is where basically I always like to say it's like we're in an iPhone (laughs) and the battery, the charger is giving out. You just don't know when that date might be. But those who are already predispositioned for type one, they already know essentially that that's going to your pancreas is going to shut down on you and you're no longer going to produce insulin that you need. Yeah. Really? Oh my gosh. I know. Yeah, I know. Both both Karen and I's face just went, sorry, what? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Record scratch. What? I know. <laughs> that only. Well, yeah. So it's interesting to me because with the reason why it was renamed type one, and of course, I hope there's no one listening who's like a part of the American Diabetes Association or, you know, endocrinologist wanting to correct me or anything. But listen, I know. Right. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Time. And there's so much. There, yeah. There's so much still. And uh, Carrie, you probably have found this out too with your child. There is you you get to specialists and there's still so much that's unknown about children diagnoses with some of these special these like chronic illnesses. And so, you know, with juvenile diabetes, what it was coined before. Um, they thought it only affected children. And now they're finding out that, you know, type 1 diabetics can be diagnosed, um, you know, at any point in their life. We've met type 1 diabetics who are 40 in their 60s. Um, my husband, he is a type 1 diabetic as well. He was diagnosed at 17. And so that messed with his journey with diabetes for a long time because they were like, nope, you're too old for juvenile diabetes. No way you got type 1. Let's treat you like a type 2. And that had some damage for him too. So, uh, yeah, so it can, your pancreas, as I like to say, can sputter out (laughs) at any time. And for Harrison's, it happened at two and a half. So, wait, okay. So, hold on. I already have a question. So, when he was born, if you know how, like, they get, get, they go through all those blood tests when they're born. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, actually, now I'm going back. Yeah, like, yeah, but sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, because you find out like their blood type is that. Yeah, so like even at that point, like you did not know if they then, had diabetes. Yeah, we didn't know, and I will say that it was for the very like, like escalated like spidey senses of our pediatrician's office that for me, for us to even come to diagnosis. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but many kids go for months or even maybe even a year with not knowing that they have type one because it will often present itself as like a, you know, oh, they have a virus or they're not feeling well or they're bedwetting or, oh, it's just, you know, potty training that they're just getting used to it. And so I was very, we were very fortunate that we had a pediatrician's office that one, listened to me. And that two were, um, you know, specialists in their own right, where they had someone in their group that had worked with uh, type one diabetics that were, you know, or pediatrics um, in type one diabetes. And so um, we were really fortunate in that. But you're right. No, we did not know going into it. And um, my mom always was like, you know, when he's born, hey, there might be a possibility. Have you checked into that? And even still to this day, um, they say there's no linkage with genetic, but that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. I, and if you're, like you said, watching this on YouTube, I roll my eyes because my, and I, it's anecdotal, but my own research and it's part of the mom's groups, the number of siblings who are diagnosed or a parent or a grandparent or, you know, you know, aunt or uncle that has type one, the link is pretty strong there. So, um, 
yeah, it's uh, just interesting that, you know, uh, my husband was 17, but Harrison was two and a half. And that in itself, I think, though, has impacted him in a positive way as well, too. So, yeah. You mean yeah. Harrison being diagnosed so early rather yeah. than, okay. Yeah. It's it's his everyday. Um, right. He doesn't know any different. He doesn't know any different. His friends don't know any different. Um, you know, in some ways, he kind of feels a little special sometimes because he gets to get pulled out of school, you know, out of class for a snack every night. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for him, and I, I think as I've talked to moms who have kids who are diagnosed later in life, um, it's it, it can be really challenging when you're diagnosed as a teen or, you know, preteen as well, too. So, yeah, uh, while it was some scary years, I feel kind of fortunate now that we've kind of made that his normalcy um, in his everyday life. So, yeah. Well, that definitely gives me hope for Brooks's future, you know, like our the doctors and um just people we've talked to who also hurt whose sons have hemophilia they're like a trip that he's gonna brooks will thrive he will be fine he won't live and to rishita to answer your question earlier to say is it okay to say a normal childhood i mean even then brooks's doctors are saying he will live a normal childhood so like and that's something i think that like i feel comfortable like that's the first thing that my husband and i were like we just want him to be normal and i feel like that that's an okay thing to say because you yeah. want and i think yeah. maybe it's maybe healthy it's like normal yeah. what like a, just a healthy normal kid like that is yeah. what whatever oh, yeah, parent wants right yeah. like that's what nobody nobody wants to see their baby have to go through anything that they themselves also didn't go through so it's like both of your kids are do- going through they're on a journey that is so going so different um from anything the two of you have had to deal with um yeah so caitlin will you tell us um how you even like came to this diagnosis like what was going on in harry's life and your life yeah so he was always i always felt like um uh, a, a sickly type kid. Um, it was like we were always combating, you know, virus after virus. Uh, he'd have strep and then he'd get over that and then he'd have, you know, upper respiratory infection. Uh, and to the point where I was like, this just seems like he just is always so sick. Now we know, you know, what was really going on. Um, about, I would say, a month before he was officially diagnosed, um, he had just gotten over, like, again, another uh, upper respiratory infection. Uh, and it was Christmas time, actually. And so my family was up at the time. And he, with classic symptoms, was drinking a lot of water. He was eating a lot. And so I kept thinking, and his pants were getting looser. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going through a growth spurt. I mean, you, my own husband, who's type 1 diabetic, he didn't put two and two together either. And so um, my mom was like, oh, my gosh, Harrison's gotten so tall. He's just slimming out. And um, we now know, of course, and he was also very irritable, too, because, you know, his blood sugars were going up and down, to which we didn't know. Now, fast forward to, I know, so it it does. And it goes back, and you probably have this too, Kira, where I look back and you have that, like, regret of, like, how did I not know? How did I just go about, like, my daily life and my child was, like, feeling like this? I didn't even know anything. But you make the best as i keep saying with any grief journey you make the best decisions with the information you know yeah and so i had a lot i had to let a lot of that um guilt go because i felt like as his mom um i missed all these signs how did i not how were you supposed to know how are you so you know this is something that doesn't even even like the bedwetting like he was just he's two so i'm like oh okay um you know he's starting to potty train 
this is just going to happen. So, um, but fast forward to that and I call it, you know, the dia they call it diabursary when you're diagnosed with your, with your type one diabetes, but, um, it was actually Valentine's day. Your died your first diabursary. And much like, much like a birth story, every mother has their diagnosis story. And so it's like, you gotta like temper it to see how traumatic people want to be, but it was it was a Valentine's Day party that kind of pushed him over the edge. Um, too much candy. Yeah, last of And you'll see that there's a trend there with people being diagnosed around dirt and certain holidays. Um, and his daycare teacher called me and said, Harrison is just not getting up from his nap. She's like, he's listless. He is. He's just, he's not himself. Um, I'm like unwell. Obviously, oh Harrison is fine. Like, yeah. yeah. Obviously, yeah. fine. He is a thriving eight year old, but like you just saying that, like, my I know. Hard out of like, she's like, he, he's hard to stir to get from nap. And she's like, and he's been like this last couple of days, but I don't, you know, it, you know, I know he's not been feeling well. So I don't want you to feel like, you know, you have to come pick up. He doesn't have a fever. And I remember I was in a meeting at work and I turned to my supervisor who I, credit because she's like super mom um she'd be embarrassed if I said that but she's amazing and I turned to her and I said I have to go I said I don't know what's happening um Harrison's not feeling well um and I called our doctor's office and I said you know I had him in here like last week his daycare said he's not feeling well and so immediately getting it went and got him and how pale he was I was like something is off they said bring him right on in and it was a nurse that came in and she goes, nothing seems off to me. She's like, you, all these symptoms, which seemed disparate at the time, like, oh, the bedwetting's potty training. You know, he's, yeah. because he's sick. Oh, he's feeling like this. She goes, I'm going to check his blood sugar. And I said, okay. And a normal range is anywhere, depending on that age, is probably anywhere between like 60, some, like, I would say 75 to maybe like 110, 120. He was in the 400s. So they took us by ambulance immediately to Children's, and oh, no. yeah, oh no, Caitlin, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I credit, I, I sent flowers and love and hugs to our well, our daycare teacher. She pretty much just like a, I call her a saint because yeah, I she sent him. Yeah, she really did, and I think she kind of overshadows it with thinking like, oh no, no, I was just doing my job, and I'm like, no, Miss Megan, you, you, I. You don't even know. You say, yeah, Miss Megan. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Yes. She was amazing. And then the nurse that was there, who's been his nurse and our youngest nurse, like since he was born, um, she's been alongside us with the, with the diagnosis too. And so, um, yeah, her, her senses to actually prick his finger, um, and test his blood sugar that day was what saved him. So, oh yeah. my gosh. So what happened? You guys were rushed to, ho- you guys were rushed to children's. Could you be in the ambulance with him or did you yeah. follow? Yeah. So we were there and then um as so I was in the ambulance with him and then um my husband he came and met me and you know I, I remember that call and I'm like they said his blood sugar is four hundred and I remember him just going like stone silent and he knew exactly what was happening too. Um and I just I wasn't making the connectors. And of course the nurse doesn't want to say he has type one diabetes. Right to make all these 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 um you know tests and everything like that yeah and so yeah we get there and we do about a three-day stint um honestly ours is probably the the quickest stint because with my husband being type one we kind of already knew um but you know it was one of those situations where in carrie you may have had this too where they're like you guys can go home and i'm like no you know i slept like 
in the bed at Children's for three months. Yeah. It never changed my clothes. I was still like in work clothes. <laughs> oh God, and you know that's not comfortable. Yeah, and I remember because I hate it to this day because I I woke up that morning, I got my dri- new driver's license picture and I had it like pink because it was like Valentine's Day, how trivial that was. And I was like feeling cute. Yeah. I like remember going home and looking at that that shirt and being like, I never want to see you ever again. Like I <sighs> like it was like the trauma of like you remember the clothing you have on. Yeah. He had on. I was like, get rid of all of this. Like I'm not want to even look at this stuff anymore because it's like we've been through this situation. But and every time you pull out your driver's license, you're like, I know. And I just kind of was I just got renewed last week and I was oh, like good. Thank you. It's been five black. Exactly. I was like, the picture was cute, but I was like, you know what? That's like the one of the worst days of my life. I know. I know. But I like you know children's is a unique place to be in because um, especially when you're on like a general floor, and I always tell this story because it continues to like haunt me to this day and like I'll never forget we got we got released and we get on the elevator and of course we're jovial and we're like, oh my God, we're going home, we're smiling. And um, a mom and dad look at us and they go, oh my gosh, I'm so happy you get to go home, buddy. And I was like, yes, we're going home. And they're like, how long have you guys been there? And I was like, ah, oh, we've been here for three days. And she's like, oh, they had been there for like close to like six months and they still trying to figure out a diagnosis. And so I was to myself, you know, I was like, look, it was a situation where you're like, I don't know if I feel lucky or if I feel like. It was just a weird, a weird place to be in because I still think about that family because I'm like, you know, here I am, like we're like celebrating that we're going home and, you know, you see another family who's getting ready to fight another journey of some unknown illness that they don't know anything about too. So it is, it's a, it is a, it's, it's a different place to be in. And I know everyone who says children's one of the best, you know, pediatric hospitals in the country. Um, but it is some heavy stuff that goes on in there too. Yeah. Those moms who are walking those hallways and sleeping on cots and sleeping in pediatric beds. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. the my husband said children's is the best place you never want to be. Oh, that's and, the best place to put it. Yep. <laughs> I was gonna say it wasn't was Brooks at Children's or was he at Cardinal Glenn and he's at Children's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you how long was Brooks there for? Wasn't it like a week? Uh I think four days. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it was another short stint, and he was in the NICU. He so Caitlin does he um, right after twenty four hours after his birth, he was died. Uh, he had to go. He went for the circ circumcision, and my nurse was like, "Caitlin, you're going, mom." She's like, "I'm familiar." Yeah. 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 <laughs> familiar. When I say circ, people are like, "What?" But um, <laughs> so he went to come get circ, and my nurse was like, "Would you like? What? How are you feeling? You want a pain pill? Order some lunch?" I was like, "Yeah, pain pill." Like, you know, we're just, we had a hot lunch. Brian was getting ready to take a snooze, as they do. Um, <laughs> and on the couch, and he, he, I, we were both just going to get ready to doze off. And my nurse kind of kept coming in, like saying, you know, everything's fine. We're just going to keep back a little bit longer. It's just, it's not, not stopping. The blood's not stopping. That's not being bleeding. But nothing, that's all good. Like, she gave me no inclination that, like, something was wrong. Yeah. Then, I don't even know how much time passed by but uh well a couple hours really um and a pediatrician who had the worst bedside bedside manner bust through a door and she's like, hemophilia and i'm like hemo what like and i'm not trying to laugh that's like an anxious no, no. bedside manner is something i feel like they need to like work with like 
<laughs> no, sometimes they're so cerebral that they, you know, it's like I think it's a rare to have to fat to have a healthcare provider who is both. Yeah, and I and it's it's a rare quality to have both. Like I'm a creative. I love doing in that creative stuff but like when it comes to finance financial capabilities i'll take a backseat that's not my specialty <laughs> so so like i get it like that's the best way i can think of it but she posts she busts in hemophilia i'm like oh my gosh what like I, i've kind of heard of this i have no idea what it means but they also don't want to straight up tell me that's what it is because they don't know for sure right and i had to physically give up my baby to the EMS, children's EMS who came and they had like this, they had a stretcher and it was like this like little box that looked, I know, it was terrible. I've actually already cried once about this today because I was telling too much about this. So that's why I could say it so blank face. But like, yeah, it looked like a little microwave, like a cozy microwave. And they just put him in there and there he went. Like, and I had to stay back at the hospital for 48 more hours. I just had a C-section. So as you think about like, you know, we had two uh, rotating um, endocrinologists that came in, and I usually am a bubbly person, like very extroverted. And we had like one of them was like, you know, he was really a truly like a, a he was a children's doctor. Like he was just like, hey, buddy, like I'm gonna put the clown nose on. And I was like, I don't need you. I need grind <laughs> up. I need you. Yeah. You there with the clown nose? Get out. Get out. I was like. I'll never forget that. I was like, looked at my husband. I was like, I cannot, I can't deal with him right now. I, I'm like, I cannot. Because like, I'm literally trying to research and understand like, what you're stressed. Like, stressed. Like, you know, like, you know, like I said, my only. Not here for fun and games, sir. My only exposure. And if you guys remember, I hope this like rings for somebody. But like, I still remember like infomercial with like juvenile diabetes, like when we were little. And they're like, I'm a Make-A-Wish kid. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, I'm like. Oh, God, Kate. Like, I'm like, okay, so what are we really dealing with here? What's his life expectancy? What do you think? And I'll tell you, the best doctor for me was, and you find it in your diagnosis, and Carrie, you probably find this way too, like, you find certain specialists that you, you like, really vibe with and well, and I want the guy who is, guy or girl, whoever it is, I want them who are, like, to the point. <laughs> that are, you know, they don't sugarcoat it. They yeah. love it exactly what's happening um you know they don't they're trying to make it a bubbly sweet situation um because i i want to i want to just like be immersed into facts and what's going on so yeah yeah i know but i still think you can deliver the facts like in a caring way right like yeah you can still like like i my heart doctor like delivered my heart braidings which were great still i got that uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I have a wonderful heart. Yeah. <laughs> and be, I know. I know. I know. Everybody wants my heart. Yeah. <laughs> but he was like, he, I found his personality to be a little awkward, but I also appreciated how like he slowed down and like said that they like made sure I understood what he was saying. So like, at points, I was like, "Does do you think I'm dumb? Like, I know what a heart is, but, but I appreciated his like, like he was kind of awkward. Like, I was like, is this how he talks? Mm-hmm. Like, in so fast situations, like you seem yeah. really awkward. Probably. However, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, probably. Yeah, I did appreciate him slowing down and 
explaining it to me to the point like he didn't sugarcoat anything like to the point yes yeah. yeah so i agree i think that med school kids or people like people in med school are geniuses right like they're really fucking smart and so i feel like when you're really that, when you're that fucking smart social skills might not be the thing that you're like yeah. i literally heard this about yeah it's like it's like you're nearly focused on like such a core specialty that some of the other stuff and you know um but you know if that is what it takes for me to know everything about my kid i am totally totally with that yeah right yeah oh yeah, yeah. completely so, I, I was just thinking about you i can't and you know the trauma like the trauma of like your baby being taken away like that in and itself. You, without answers I mean, we did we were in the same position caitlin we didn't know if he was we didn't know if he was gonna make it like yeah. we didn't know like he because you know it just wouldn't stop bleeding and with, with hemophilia you don't feel like you're missing your eighth clotting factor so you, your blood goes through 12 stages of clotting and when you first get cut or whenever um, it starts at 12 and works its way down to one, which makes like a scab and you stop bleeding. Brooks is missing factor eight. So he is on medicine. Uh, thank God for this medicine um, that we give him. It's a shot in his leg every other week. We give it to him here at home, which I mean, that that in and of itself, I think that you cannot have a, I, I don't know, um, like your prophylaxis. Medical terminology. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, what the fuck is propolaxa? What? Oh, you get you get really like swift with like hair. Like uh-huh. That you're you know, you're like, I'm living in this like niche bubble of like, you know, of, of learning about insulin and and insurance and needle gauges and like all kind of yeah. So this my life is forever. <laughs> it's yes, at that one thousand percent. I have you know, I'm dropping words like subcutaneous injections or sub Q, you know, which is like I mean, you're basically a doctor now. I mean yeah. I, 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 yeah. I I I for one not learned a lot from the two of you today. Oh god. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so so he you know, we, you know but anyway going back to that we didn't know if he was going to make it and my my husband followed the it was coben still so um brian had to follow the ambulance he didn't ride with brooks either so i was at the hospital brian's following brooks to children's and brian had, you know like brooks just gets rushed into the hospital and brian just has to find somehow find his way to our baby just you know so to your just born baby. To my just born, our just born had a C-section that mm -hmm. I know even more so like goes into like healing, but also mentally healing from what happened. That is awesome. Yeah. And well, and also, so I had a C with I, with our daughter too. So it was just by natural, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this again because yeah. Yeah. Anyway, my body wasn't, wasn't made for birth. And so, um, so. Uh, still birth. It's still birth. Oh, I meant yeah. Yes, you're right. Sorry, my butt. She's still my body's just gonna. I'm with you. Those babies inside. I'm attentive too. Too. I can person too, and not in the same way. Like where I tell people I'm like really easily, but but like my body knowing labor just is not a thing. It doesn't happen. Right. No. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Stay in there forever, but that can't happen. So, um. So, oh shoot, shoot, shoot. So doubles. Oh, so. It's a, a godsend, truly, that I had him by C-section because if he would have come out vaginally, he probably would have, he would have for sure have had trauma to his head and 
who knows, like a brain bleed or something, and he, he may have passed. Yeah, so it's that's also a good thing that I had to see. But um, but yeah, so it was it was it was very it was incredibly traumatic. And when I was finally released from the hospital, my husband just picked me up at like six a.m. I was on those nurses. I was like, you know, I'm leaving. You know, I'm leaving. You know, I'm leaving. But it was definitely a special sort of hell being in the hospital by myself. I didn't want anybody else there. I had lots of friends and family who were happy to come up, and I was like, I just don't want to be abound anyone. I just want to get better. I had a lot of phone calls to make or just calling people, talking to doctors, whatever. Um, very depressed. But um, I, um, hearing those babies being crying and being wheeled to the moms on either side of me, like, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me like I, just, they didn't, I guess they could i guess you're in post like you yourself are postpartum so it's not like they would just like move you to another yeah yeah exactly. and even like his empty bassinet just laying sitting and laying in there it might yeah so anyway enough about me <laughs> well, like, so what is what is like your what is your daily life like now like what do you how do you guys what do you do yeah, it's changed. It's changed drastically um, since when he was first diagnosed. So, um, you know, first of all, I just have to like say, um, you know, since it's a, a show that allows like, profanity, like, mm-hmm. fuck the healthcare system. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and I feel very, I feel very privileged that you know my husband and I have relatively great jobs with good insurance, yeah. but yet navigating like approvals and crap. It's oh. like, um, you know, less. Harrison, um, when he first was released from the hospital, um, you know, you are sent home basically with like syringes and a bottle of insulin and a two and a half year old to get injections, which you are like, oh, how many does he get a day? It all depends. Like, um, depends, depends on blood sugar. So we were at that point in time, um, before he became, like I said, the bionic man, um, we were pricking his finger pretty much close to what every hour. Um, oh, poor baby. Yeah. Uh, poor, you guys, you guys are not living in life. We're not yeah. living life. So at that point in time, I had, gra- like, graciously, uh, in 2017 era, my my work were like, okay, yeah, you can work from home. Um, but eventually, like at a certain point, you have to go back to work. My mom came up with, which was a blessing. She, she was a, she's a teacher and she took time off and came up. Um, but we had to find daycare for him. And, um, I will tell you, uh, trying to find a daycare for a child with special needs is like trying to uncover some sort of like, you feel like Aladdin, (laughs) like go through, like, I was like, felt like I was under like some underground, like, uh, situation like talking to people do you know anybody whose child has that uh like do they send them someplace yeah and you know it's also a situation where you're like i can't just send my child anywhere his former daycare which we loved and we still sent our youngest there they didn't have any they didn't have a nurse on staff and he Mm -hmm. injections at that time and i didn't feel comfortable putting them in a situation Mm -hmm. so luckily got into a daycare that was at a recommendation from um a friend at work who friend of a friend at work whose daughter had a seizure disorder and we sent him there. But I'm going to tell you, like the cost of daycare enough is already, but as child with special needs, um, there's a reason why we have an age gap. And I always like to tell people, they're like, why are you guys have five years in between the two of them? 
None of our damn business for one. Secondly, I'm like, as you said here, I was depressed and didn't know it. And three, we were being, we were paying like almost close to like $3,000 a month for him to go to daycare. So I had to keep my job somehow. And so, um, because you need the insurance. No, I need to wait. Yeah. Emily, I'm like, tell me what I'm still talking here. And then, you know, you immediately, so, you know, going back to day to day life, you know, eventually, after we showed that we could be successful with his, and I put this all in quotations because it's an insurance company, that we could be successful in um, uh, regulating his blood sugar. Uh, then we were approved for what they call a Dexcom, which sits on his skin and reads it every five minutes into a phone. Oh, so that keeps us from pricking his finger, but we still had to do injection. Um, you know, um, oh. wait, pause, time out, TV time. What you mean to tell me you had to prick your own, your two year old's finger every hour on the hour, continue giving him these random injections all the effing time. And then the insurance was like, yeah, you've proven yourself worthy. Yep. Oh. That, that, that's the first pass of that. Yeah. Uh, and keep in mind, I, I was also during that time too, you know, I'm, a, I'm a working mom. So I was literally, um, watching we're watching his blood sugar and then at my lunch hour i would this is so sad i would take the 10 minutes to drive to his daycare i would dose him then i would get back in my car and there was a schnooks across the street i would grab a bite to eat of that schnooks eat my car for 20 minutes and then drive back and be at work so that way i could get him dosed regulate him and literally it was like him running out from the gym me poking him in his stomach reading his blood sugar and being like all right love me buddy bye um, and we, we, we somehow, we, we made it work, but, um, yeah, he then got approved, you know, finally when he was five, so oh, three on. for an, insul- an insulin pump. So between the decks, common insulin pump, um, it has changed his world completely. And he goes to school in a school district where, um, and you'll probably find this out here when you start doing research that some school districts, depending on. Property taxes have, you know, uh, a wealth of, um, you know, money where they can employ a nurse that's full time in school. And some have a rotating nurse where children basically have to do their own care during the day. Oh, and so um, we're, we're, I know we're really lucky. Good question. I know yeah. Kara's like, it's going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. You know, that was the number one thing when we were looking to move. We're like, OK, everybody's like, oh, what's full district? I'm like the one that has a full time nurse. I need her. I need yeah so you become friends with the school nurses really quickly and the Mm -hmm. underground amount of students who are all you know have chronic illness or special need that that go to her too so she keeps us updated with our our harrison school group app and um nurse michelle and nurse holly those were that was his preschool teacher preschool nurse was nurse holly and nurse michelle is his elementary school one and they are those women I hug them and they, they, they tell me he's like their, their extension of their children. Cause Harrison is, he, he is with them a lot. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So that is oh. kind of where we're at right now. And if Kira, if you're thinking about something else, make sure you guys start talking about like 504 plans and yes, all that other stuff too. What but, is a 504 plan? So it's basically a specialized plan that like, a, uh, your child couldn't be discriminated against in the education system and that they have to accommodate for certain processes that are approved. So similar to you can write in some IEP type stuff into there, but um, yeah, you become legal real quick on like insurance and 
Mm-hmm. You're like, I am a part-time lawyer and also a part-time doctor. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Endocrinologist by trade. And then you're like, mm-hmm. and I'm like legal jargon of like, was trying to discriminate against my child because this won't happen. <laughs> and, oh yeah. And it, it was unbelievable when, when all this first happened with Brooks, like Brian, he's more of the, the financial guru of the, of yeah. the two of us. Um, I'm the creative director. He's the C, uh, CFO. So he was like dug straight into figuring out all of the insurance side of it. So, and he still like deals with it. Um, but trying, and we even have, we even have a, a specialty care for pharmacy uh, where it's supposed to be um, very, uh, oh my God, what's the word I'm trying to say? Um, I can't think of the word, but where they, where they are more accommodating and kind of like help out, help guide you through everything that you need to know. It still is not the case. Maybe they're like a little bit more help. I mean, they, they're great. The people there that work there are very nice and they're very helpful, but it still is a lot of, you're just thrown into this world. They're like, okay, call, here's this number, call, call this number. And this is the pharmacy that you're, that you might want to use. I don't know. And, yeah. um, yeah, just, it, it completely yeah. changes your whole life. You know, I think back to that and, you know, and in much like, you know, as I was telling Rashida, it's like, it's a different type of grief because it's like, your world is never the same again and people expect you to just go back to normal and it affects how you parent and parents um you know it, it affects it, who you trust with your kids oh my like, god i, I yeah. like yes. i never until you were talking about the nurse situation yeah. that had never crossed my mind as like being a thing that you Kara, are gonna have to navigate yeah. like that had never even not even and parker now goes to a daycare that has a nurse on staff and now i'm like god thank god and like i thought it was cool mainly because if parker complains her ear hurts like she could go to the nurse and the nurse can check it and i don't oh, have to that hear the cool. doctor that is nice, nice. That is nice. like they can diagnose yeah. some shit right there and I, yeah yes that's wonderful but from a just like i as a as a mom whose kids aren't diagnosed with any, anything um and we did have like a, a health scare with dom early last year um but like it those are things that i wouldn't ever have to consider and one of my really good friends uh just transitioned to being a school nurse she was um she was a like an emergency room nurse for a long time in downtown st louis oh Uh, she was a um like a pediatric NICU nurse for a long time too i think she worked in the burn unit but she like got to a point where she was like i can't be around sick kids anymore like i am a mom myself they yeah. can't be around like chronic like that kind of sick kid yeah so she moved to being a school nurse and now i have like to after this conversation i like want to go hug her because i'm like you probably don't realize she probably doesn't realize the comfort she's bringing to so many parents yes she she, she doesn't to be able to yeah. um i i tell them this all the time like it doesn't go without a, a thought that like I am trusting this person, um, you know, in this situation, this woman, and even his teachers, like, they all surround him, and they just love on him, but they all are such big advocates of him, too, and, like, I feel really blessed in that, because, you know, you you don't know how it will go, and every year, it's a new, I don't want to say fight, but it's a it's a different situation every year with who yeah. was a new teacher, yeah, will they be yeah. accommodating, will this even happen, and... Um, 
it is it's it but like you said it changes everything because like i just feel very gracious like with my husband like george and i like we have really great places at work i've had horror stories of people who you know because they've had to leave suddenly because an insulin pump goes out i mean that is dire like that could send him into sick crisis where their jobs won't let them leave and um you know i am oh i know i mean the some of the groups that it, it it's kind of sad and i'm like I feel very like just fortunate that we I don't have that like if I'm like uh Harrison knocked off another $600 Dexcom we gotta go I know and it's like you know and I and I have to control myself and I know it's like rambling but like you'll you probably find this too when Brooks gets older like it's a hard balance because it's like I know that with our youngest and with how I parented Harrison during that time are significantly different. Yep. I was literally yep. in survival mode because my, to control my anxiety was I need to make sure that you're healthy at all time. Um, I still don't sleep because I check him all times a night. Um, probably for the worst thing, he's almost, he's eight and a half. I still will have him like come and lay in the bed with us so I can make sure his blood sugar and everything is, is like within range. Um, and I don't think I, I got to get as, huggy and feely and you know um just cuddly as i have been with our second um just because i was just trying to in that mode like trying to survive and keep him as healthy as possible so it it has been a different relationship for us and they talk about that a lot with moms of chronic illness if you like look at it or like read about it that these kids they get older and they're like i wonder if my parents love me because they never felt they never showed me love and on the flip side of that, it's like the parents are like, of course, I loved you. Like, <laughs> like all the sacrifices that we made. And so um, I've had to really just like think about that and how I've shifted my view of motherhood and making up for that lost time during diagnosis as well, too. So if I could give you, give you any advices, love on that baby, find time that is not about his diagnosis, mm-hmm. be able to find time where Brooks is just able to be a kid and you're like, I love you for who you are. Not, yeah. let's talk about your, you know, why, why, why didn't you think about your, you know, your insulin pump coming off during the day? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. So right. I shifts that. I, I feel, I, that can definitely be hard. I feel like, cause it's like, you are, obviously you love them. Like you're doing all of this for them. Right. And so, but I can see how as a kid, like, if you're only being yelled at, quotes unquote, if you're only being talked at about something you did wrong, or something that is wrong with you, yeah, like I can totally see why that would be a thing. Yeah. Like why you would be that makes me sad, and that's I think part of the grieving grieving process too. Like when you find out about the diagnosis, is you don't want that that to be define them to define them, and that is something that we first initially said too, we will not let this define him. It kind of does, but we, but in our, but our, I hate that I said that, but I also say it because, you know, the, the his, his team of doctors are like, whatever you do, you cannot tell him that he cannot do anything because it only, he'll only want to go do it. They, whatever. But there's like, but he probably should play hockey or football. And, my my husband's really struggled with that because he's always wanted a he's wanted a son always wanted a son and then wanted a son who could play hockey and so like getting this diagnosis in his mind was just like the absolute 
worst thing to happen. So um, they, the two doctors are like, listen, we're not going to let this define him. Don't let it define him. If he wants to do something, well, let we're going to educate you guys. We're going to educate him on the best way to do it. So we don't ever want to keep him from, if, if you guys are all pl- going to go ice skating or whatever it is, we're going to teach you and coach you through the best way to make sure that he is still involved and still able to participate just like anybody else. So, yeah. yeah. And that's how we, that's how we, we decided to, to take this on. Cause you probably felt the same way immediately. I'm like, I want to know answers. I joined every mom or parent group. Of yeah. one. <laughs> and I felt like I fell in, there was two buckets. There was parent families who let it identify their whole entire their lives or obsessively made like I will say I learned a lot from some of these groups where moms made it about themselves and it's like I'm the the mom it's like I also have like type I'm like you don't have type 1 diabetes or you felt like like we've had people who are like I want you to blog about this more why don't you talk more about it and I'm like "Mm," when he's when he's ready to talk about it I don't want his whole uh who Harrison is to be type one diabetes Mm -hmm. Um, so much more than that and agreed with you like we don't want to limit him and think about that um and so we 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 don't we will let him share his story when he's ready yeah Uh, and he doesn't let it be the thing that is his presenting factor about him which is what I love yeah 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 I'm the same way Caitlin I you know I only share it you know with my friends and um obviously family (laughs) but like with friends and in if it comes up for whatever reason, but I end on the podcast, obviously, but I, it's not something that I've ever shared on social media or anything like that. Just because I just feel like I'm a, I don't know if I'm still in denial, a little bit of denial stage too, but I also, I mean, I also don't think you need to share every, you don't need to share everything on social All media. The time. Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. But like, I, yeah. I just don't need Susie Q from, and 97, who I met, you know, whenever it's like, and people trauma bond, as you guys like with, yeah. with this, it's like, I want to tell you the worst story of what would happen to my kid. And I'm like, I don't need that. I don't want to hear about, oh, I, I'm, I'm like, or I don't want to hear that. So yeah, there's a couple of, um, like moms, a pe- like mom, like hemophilia mothers groups and like other Facebook groups. And you might, it's like not really the best place for me. And so I just kind of. I'll see it as it pops up and sometimes it gives us some good ideas, but it's just not the best place for me because other people deal other, first of all, other people um, are giving their kids different medications. Some people don't choose to take, choose to give their kids the same, their sons, the same medication that we're giving Brooks. Um, They just choose to do something else. And so there's, that can be very emotional for people that, Oh, you're, you know, Oh, whatever. Then cue the mom judgment, the yeah. mom shaming for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure both of you uh-huh. have to deal with some form of that. Like, I can't believe you would give your kid. Like, oh, it's, it is based off of misinformation and just, and, yeah. or misinformation and not knowing, just lack of not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I was going to ask you, have you found, um, and ha- have you found that, you know, it maybe Brooks is a little too young too, but like, have you found any relationships that have changed for you? Or, um, I asked that cause I, I know that like after, especially the toxic positivity that we talked about earlier, like I really, I really, in that first year, I got, 
probably my personality too. I got really rubbed the wrong way with how people like approached like or even dismissed yes um how I was feeling or yes. how my journey was um and it changed a lot of dynamics for me in my life I mean just with like me losing my dad I was like mm, nope I don't have time for this I, I yeah so I wonder about that for other people too yeah 100% I found myself and my husband too really trying to explain to people the severity of yeah. the situation mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we, I especially have a tendency of when I'm telling the stories, like, well, thank God we had this medicine because he'll be okay. And our doctors reassure us too, that he will be okay. But the fact of the matter is if we're that it's a very, it's extremely, extremely rare and it's, it's, it's not good. So trying to communicate that to certain people was, they are very dismissive. Like, well, he's going to be okay. So that's fine. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's not fine. Like, what are, what, like, you, what don't you get? That's why I'm, like, so happy, Caitlin, that you were able to come on and mm -hmm. talk to us about this because I feel like there could be, you, the diagnosis is, like, I feel like somebody could be like, well, your kids don't have cancer. Like, my kid have cancer. Like, All the at least. That to be, yeah, you know how I feel about it, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. there, could, there could be that, but I feel like within your two stories, like, what at least I'm getting is, like, sure they're going sure they're quote unquote going to be okay but but honestly they're only going to be okay if you two stay on your p's and q's yeah like if you two stay on top of that like it's not yeah. like they're going to naturally just be okay like right you're you like so i feel like that's almost i guess like shitting on you guys as moms to just be like they're going to be okay when you're like, but, but look at all this shit I have to do, Susan, to make yeah. it so. Like, yeah. He's only going to be okay if I don't sleep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to be picking his finger in an hour. Pretty yeah. much. No. Yeah. And it's like, just, you know, it's just like simple things that like, you know, people are like, yeah, like he can sleep over it. No, he can't. So the reason why he can't yeah, sleep over to begin with, that's another whole podcast. But yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So. It's like, uh, unless you're going to, I know, it's like, unless you're going to have somebody who is going to be providing care all night and watching his diabetes and his, you know, his, his blood sugar all night up, I don't think he can. And, you know, um, that's been hard to explain to him, mm -hmm. too. Um, you know, we also, we, he doesn't do summer camps really because, I just, you know, I, I used to be a summer camp counselor and I was a high school student and an early college student. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me if I'm going to have a high school student who has no medical background watching my child during the day. At yeah. Why, you know, and That's even parents. So it's like, you know, um, it, it probably it, and I know looking back on it, like some of these things probably are irrational and I've had to like ground myself in them, too. Um, but I'm like, you know what? Let's sit in this. It's a valid a valid response and my feelings towards this are valid and mm -hmm. um yeah you you get you'd be surprised with like your kids and the, the whole motherhood journey like people are like you're you're gonna be fine don't be so dramatic he's okay he's here mm -hmm. when i had a 80 you know my cousin's cousin had this and she's fine look at her and i'm like okay <laughs> not helpful not helpful yeah. susan yeah oh yeah oh. which which God love my Susan. I was like, well, yeah, that's, that's glamour. Yeah. 
No shade on my wonderful, amazing mother-in-law. Oh, also named never. <laughs> she would never. Never. No. And you know, Caitlin, so one thing as when you and I talked about this episode topic again, yeah. like a year ago, one thing you said, like, stuck with me which made me like which is which is why I was like damn this really is like a thing like that she has to deal with on the daily you said at this point this was that is nobody but there we go <laughs> <laughs> no you you said um that was Harrison in kindergarten what grade is Harrison in right now third uh second grade second yeah. okay so, the, so okay that like you have to pack his lunch based on when he can get dosed or like he can't like he can't just like sneak a couple chips out of like his friend's lunch like he has to eat the lunch you pack and it is packed specific to when he's getting dosed and I was like damn that like that is that's a lot of work that's a lot of packing lunches I mean that's a lot of like rethinking of like and that and you probably weren't even anticipating that like when he was going to kindergarten, you were probably just like, okay, yeah, he's going to kindergarten. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. What's he going to be doing? Maybe he's trading snacks. Now you have to have like a full-on conversation that's like, Harrison, you can't trade snacks. Not even in kindergarten. Brooks is stealing other kids' food at their little table. I know. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that. You have to eat what what is given to you, homeboy. Like, yeah, it is because he had a Valentine's Day party. Curse curse the Valentine's Day party. Oh, damn. And, you know, he had a bag of candy. And, you know, we're now getting into the preteen age, which is now like, you know, he's trying to be defiant about it, too. So that's a Mm. whole journey that will go on. And, you know, he had the bag of candy. And, you know, I'm like, I know you've been eating it in your room, you know? And I'm like, you can't do that, buddy. And I know the chocolate is good and it's all yummy. Everyone loves chocolate, you know, for the most part. Um, but it's like, you know, a normal kid thing where it's like you just want to snack here and there. And oh yeah, that that keeps his blood sugar, you know, it, it makes it harder for us to keep it in range, which has its health implications because as we share with him, it's not just what we're doing right now. It's that I want him to be as healthy as possible. So you know, you still have functioning kidneys and you still are able to have a life beyond that because mm-hmm. they're weakened by the lack of insulin producing. And so, um, yeah, it's a lot of futuristic things that we have to, like, just talk to him about. And, um, yeah, the executive decision functioning in that, it's something that people don't even talk about. <laughs> but it can be, it can be a lot during the day um, that I think... It is exhausting, and, you know, when you sit and think about it, it can be really emotional because you're just like, man, it takes away some of the joy in the day because I feel like I'm like an operation person every single day. Like, I'm like, are, is the lunch packed? Are the carbs labeled? Are um, Have we checked in with the nurse? Has, you know, uh, does he have his insulin pump on? Is it charged? What day are we on for his, his you know, continuous glucose monitor? Um, and so, yeah, and I said the mental list of gymnastics it is it really really is um yeah it's a lot so i i thank you for recognizing that because a lot of people don't really think about that and yeah when you said that i like like it has stuck with me for a year obviously (laughs) (laughs) just yeah yeah like dang that's so much work and uh, yeah just dang 
Yeah. I hate packing lunches. It's the worst. Well, I know. It's nice that, like, his now, like, his school, like, they have great options for, like, what they call cut. So he gets to go in and, like, his nurse is pretty good about, like, but still, she goes and pops in on him and sits with him at the lunch table sometimes. So he doesn't even get to get that full experience of being with his friends and being rowdy. And it's like, oh, here, you know, here comes the nurse or he has to you know, leave and go to the nurse. And so he misses out on that experience of, yeah, just taking it with all friends that, you know, and being a eight year old boy in the lunchroom, whatever that craziness probably is. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had thought about you the other day because I was watching a TikTok of the Jonas Brothers. Nick Jonas is a type one diabetic. He is. <laughs> Yeah, it's somebody. Yeah, it's somebody was asking him. They were asking the three Jonas brothers, and apparently he was like diagnosed in some like crazy way too. I watch watched their. Uh, <laughs> apparently, I'm a super fan. But anyway, so they were somebody was interviewing the three brothers, and they were like, "So, do you like sweet or savory things for breakfast?" And like the first brother, Kevin, was like, "Oh, I like." Um, savory and his brothers are like you don't like savory like you've always had all like you always had like so much syrup on your pancakes blah blah blah. and then they get to nick and he's like oh I, i'm savory for sure and the girl goes you know it's not like men can have sweets for breakfast too and he goes no no i can't he's like got that and you're a type one diabetic <laughs> yeah you're conditioned yeah yeah he's like no i'm just i am a type one type diabetic i'm well, not yeah. eating sweets it's funny because like well i always use george as an example because he was diagnosed in college and so that's a whole different layer of his like journey of like drinking i'm sure throws <laughs> oh out. gosh yeah drinking like i'm like and i knew nothing at that time so i like kicked myself being like oh we dated this long time i didn't know anything but one of my first, like, like one of our first, like, dates, like, you know, he, we, like, go back to his fraternity house. I hate that this is, like, went on here. But okay. he, had a mini fr- he had a mini fridge that I now know had his insulin in there, but he had all these diet drinks. And I was like, this is so strange. I was like, you have diet, like, right Zero and Diet Coke just randomly. I'm like, that's cool, because I like Diet Coke. Right? Yeah. And, like, you can drink full flavored, so you know, soda. And he's like, no, I can't. And I'm like, and his fraternity brother's like, you don't know he's a type 1 diabetic? And I was like, no, I didn't know that. So, yeah, it's like, you <laughs> yes, yes, I know. I think back, I'm like, what I didn't know, like, you were gone. Oh, like, I know. And now you're, like, living that. With, now you're really living it. Yeah. yeah. And it also, like, makes me so mad. It's like, why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. And I don't want them to. I don't want. And also... And he, I also don't want we don't want our daughter to be to to live this life because you know she's five so she doesn't know we haven't told her there's no reason we will let her know but like we've well we've told her that he takes special medicine but I think she was just like you know yeah she's like cool I don't want it yeah yeah she, yeah exactly she's like is it chocolate medicine because I hate it's a moxicillin so we certainly turns yeah. you up oh my god what do you do about that. About uh, what now? So wow. amoxicillin. So amo- like they hate taking amoxicillin. And we the only way I can get Ellie to take amoxicillin is by mixing it with a fuckload of Hershey's chocolate syrup. Like how would you? So he he's pretty good about med- like medication and stuff like that. Um, and yeah. luckily um, like Tylenol and stuff like that doesn't raise his blood sugar. So he just takes oh, regular stuff. Uh, oh, good. My non-diabetic kid is the one who doesn't want to take medicine. That's <laughs> Corral him like I'm 
doing a search warrant or something. I'm like, dude, just take the medicine. Like, I shouldn't have to, like, harass you and have, like, read you Miranda rights. Like, just go ahead and, like, <laughs> just, like, tackle into the floor and, like, you, like, I don't know what I do. It's a two person job. Like, yeah. I don't know what I Like, yeah, I do try to, like, just. You know here? I'm like, no, we still use the syringe here, baby. I'm like, oh, enough. Push here. I'm like, you're three. What are we doing? We're still a baby plane. We're going to syringe till we die over here. Die. I'm still using it too. I'm like, whatever. Open up. I know. I know. What does your, I, I kind of have a good idea ish of what your daily life and what his daily life, what your all daily life looks like. What is the future look like for Harry? Harrison. Yeah. I love that name. Yeah, thank you. Um, so it's um, it sounds silly, but like it's bright. <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, um, that's good. So, that's good. But it's yeah. good. It's but say it louder. It's bright. Yeah, that's good. It's bright. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of things that like I think about though. Um, you know, some of those major milestones for him look a little different, and so we'll. It's gonna be interesting how we navigate this. Like driving a car and having to get special license for, you know, or at least have it on your driver's license or um, having some sort of wristband or something. I was like going to ask that. Do they do both of them? Will Brooks and um, Harry have to wear like medical, like a medical alert something or another to like let people know? Um, yeah. Or like a bracelet. Yeah. Brooks has one. It's just on his diaper bag though. We should, I mean, I don't know. Well, he's a baby. I mean, I guess like when he gets older, like, they make them, they can like put them on their shoe or like more discreet, you know, because kids don't always want to, I, I don't know. So, but yeah, he is, yeah, he is a baby. He doesn't wear really shoes because he's not walking yet. Oh, yeah. We, we haven't done the medical bracelet just yet, but eventually you make, you know, they have all these stories about people, you know, getting the low and they, they crashed their car and like guy like got, <laughs> got Narcan because they thought he was like using drugs or something and you're like no it's just type 1 diabetic so because uh, it does when they go when people go really low it mimics almost like um being inebriated and things like that um you know I, i'm very lucky as i mentioned with george being diagnosed during college like i think i would have more fears about college if um we if i didn't hadn't seen you know him flourish uh but i still think about so you know like um, you know, will we still be reading his phone app to see his blood sugar? Yeah. I will be honest. I hope by then, um, you something's got to come along. Some stem cell research. They already, yeah. are, they've grown leaps and bounds just in the time that like Harrison's been diagnosed with just technology. Why? Um, and so I hope, like I said, they'll be at that point, something to re-stimulate the pancreas at, at some point. But, um, yeah, we just have those, and I just think about him like, you know, high school and you know and going to parties and doing high school things. or just be on his own yeah when he became normal and i'm just like he take care of himself like i i i just i'm like we're gonna constantly be in your business because it and i we try we're gonna try not to but i just it is it's gonna be totally different and i and i kind of grieve about that too because i'm like he's he may not have that full experience of being able to just hang out and do the things that he wants to do to, you know, have those experiences too. So, yeah. Yeah. And I know I, I totally can understand where you're coming from with that line of thinking because I, with Brooks, I have the same thoughts, but they don't know any different. They don't. Yeah. 
and I like I but I also do wonder like like I guess for your husband George is he like well obviously obviously he's like yeah I wish I didn't have to do this yeah. but he is he I guess he's also he's dealt, dealt with it for so long that he's just kind of like yeah well it is what it is I want to not die <laughs> yeah no and that's how he is too and that's how he like you know it's almost like he doesn't he his his way of thinking and he is he's a finance guy too so he's very logical I don't want to die so I'm going to take my medication. Why is everybody? Why is everybody that I am friends with married to a finance person? I too am married. Right. To uh, yeah. Opposite of the crack. You're one one is that. You know, one of the gang. That's basically right. I am. I guess that it's probably opposite of track. Like I'm, uh-huh. I'm surrounded by like boisterous, like uh-huh. extroverted women. You know, and so like, wild, like, badass, yeah. badass yeah. women. And so yeah. who who like yeah. behind a badass woman? Apparently, a man who works. <laughs> yeah for him it's like i don't know any other way so like he he really frames that with with harrison too like this is just your normal routine and this is what we go through we do it together it's actually improved his health too because he's like yeah i guess i will get on it like i will have an insulin pump um and do that that too so yeah it's um it's changed i think for the better for them and makes it just a normalcy for our family and even Andy. Yeah. Yeah, you were like saying your daughter, like Andy's like, that, that's, he calls him Bubba. He's like, that's Bubba's pump. He has a pump. I want yeah. it out. I'm like, no, we don't have done. Don't, no, I can't, I can't deal with thinking you'll have to put that in the universe. I'm like, we're not even going to manifest that. Well, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. That bad. And you're like, homie, have you seen the insurance? We, you're not getting a pump. I'm like, oh, at no. this point in time, I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to because at this point yeah we need it because <laughs> you don't have a choice the technology in itself yeah it's uh it can be can be quite spendy so yeah 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 it can yeah i guess if you know there's moms out there who are new to you know their diagnose diagnosis journey again like i always like this on rashida just really um similarly to how people are like people are going through their grief journey and um you know, just being there for those. If you're a friend of someone, um, you know, doing the research that you can just to to be near them and help them and understand, um, be a support to them too, and not dismiss their feelings. Is you know, regardless if they're yes. not dealing with it or they are really dealing with it, it's all valid. And yeah, it's absolutely. And I, one of my good friends, her son, um, and we like they were in our COVID bubble. Like they, our kids went to daycare together. Her son is like one of those kids who's just allergic to absolutely effing everything. Like absolutely everything. Like he can no kids hear me more than my time when I like like absolutely. It was like now it's like egg. It's it's like egg. Uh, like general like all of these things and like one time, uh, daycare gave the kids hummus and he like went into anaphylactic shock. And it turns out he's also allergic to like sesame and like oh. chickpeas are from the sesame. So she has to do, she has to know all of this like literal biology about like what is from what. Yeah. And so like, I know she is going through like, she is constantly thinking of all of the things. And so like, even they were just here on Sunday and I pulled out cookies for the kids and she's like, can I check that package? Like, it's like. <laughs> yeah, like, and so I, I try my best to make things even just a little bit easier on her. So, like, 
if I know we're going to hang out with them, like my kids aren't eating peanut butter that day. Like I don't trust myself enough to make sure I get like peanut butter from under their nails. Like, so I'm like, there's no peanut butter today. We're hanging out with Benny. We're yeah. like, we like, I'm all buying. I try to only put out the snacks except for the cookies. Apparently the cookies are fine. They ended up being fine. Yes. Like I try, I try because as a mom who has, I guess, atypical children, and I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Like the very least I can do is like fucking check my cookies. Like, you know, like yeah, that's the yeah. very least I can do for her so that she doesn't have to like, she can, Finn can have yeah. a normal, like he doesn't, he can eat stuff. He doesn't have to be like, and she doesn't have to be. Yeah. And she doesn't have to spend her whole time at like a gathering, like trying to like dodge, like to make sure Finn doesn't eat something. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, yes, I Thank you for that. That can try. Those are little things, you know, that like people don't think about. And it's like those make such a huge difference. Um, Just for that mom. So that way she can have herself a good time, too. So she can have a couple there. She doesn't have to be super stressed. Like, so we try we try as a friend group to like accommodate. And again, that's not probably nearly as like life or death as like he has to get shots and he has to like have a he has to he's one of those kids who always have to carry an epi pit around. Um, which is scary in itself too, right? Um, but yes, definitely not at the caliber you two are dealing with. I don't uh, know though. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I will always say that the Epi Epi Pin kids and moms. I even at least like I have some level of like restraint because I know like X and Y will have like this will happen with the insulin, but like with the food allergies, and I hate this because like usually like like Harrison's classroom. He's paired with food allergy kids. Like it's mm-hmm. like teacher has like tripled down on her. So like there's a kid somewhere with like citrus and like peanut butter and nut and all this other stuff. And the list goes on and on. So yeah, their class parties aren't really a lot of fun. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like we're all in the moms are and they're like, here is this like yeah. Here is one Ritz cracker. Yeah. <laughs> like bark. It's like yeah. Which I found that like like uh, rice veggie straws. And veggie straws, but not pretzels because it's gluten. But then um, Oreos, surprise! Yeah. Who did that little bucket of Venn diagram that like every needs child can have? So like yeah. they are, they are. My friend yeah. can have Oreos. Yep. Yeah, I think no idea. Think about the teacher. I'm like, how? Bad? I'm like, she like she's got Harrison beeping because he has his phone going off all hours a day. She's got this child with this going on, and she's so pleasant. I'm like, I would be like an anxious. Oh, I I held. Like, yes, an angel in disguise. I'm like, I don't know how you deal with it, but yeah, I will say the EpiPen kids. Like, I'm like, kudos to those moms. Yeah, I I think about them. Yes, a lot. Yeah, and you know what? I hope that people take from this episode too is this is a grief journey. Um, and you get to call it grief, and you get to, and I think Kara, you were quick to be like, I'm grieving this, like. Because the because of another one, yeah. Because of what we do, like you were quick to be able to like this feeling that I'm feeling is grief. But I think that a lot of moms who who they might not be able to recognize that, like they might, like Caitlin, you said you were a fucking sad for for a minute, like long time. I feel I feel like I hope that a mom listening to this, like even if her kid does just have like allergies, like our friend did, I or does, I hope that that she can give herself grace like listen to you two give herself grace and understand like yeah this is fucking hard and i get to grieve about this like i get to grieve about this life like when i was picturing having children it wasn't this 
That's exactly, yep. That's exactly it. This is the card. I'm dealing with the cards that I have, but I get to have days where I'm like, no, but this fucking sucks. And nobody's gonna at least, I hate when people at least, (laughs) but he's gonna at least anything here. No. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes just even getting the chance to label it like, oh shit, this is grief. That is like a step forward. I guess like, like I'm always like a person like I want to try to get to feel better, but you have to feel your feels and you have to, the only way to is through. So part of that is labeling what you're feeling. And if that will get you one step closer to the other side. Yeah. And I will say that it helped me to identify those feelings. Um, I know you mentioned earlier about like how that played in like with losing my dad too. And it helped me to recognize those feelings very early on because then I look back and I go, oh man, I was mad. I was mad. Yeah. And I was sad. I was angered with people. Scared, yeah. I was yeah, I was scared. Um, and you know, I went through all of those those emotions that, you know, I realize now I'm like, oh man, yeah, I was on a I was on a grief journey during that time and I just didn't have a way to really, like you said, label it and be able to um share with others like I will get there, but this is the place that I'm at right now. Um and allowing people to support me through it. So yeah. Yeah, I hope this is helpful for someone. At least. No, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. It was helpful for me. I'm glad. I know. It's nothing else. <laughs> I like you two talking. I know. I know. And I wish you all the best of luck with everything. And I know, like you said, every mom's story is different. And, you know, of course, um, our kids' needs are, are totally different. We're in two different se- se- sectors of life, too. But mm-hmm. it just is. Um, it's something that you kind of connect on and yeah, you definitely are there for any other mom that needs it. No. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. I can just jump through. I just want to come over to St. Charles and give you a great big hug and cross the river. <laughs> we're here. We're driving <laughs> over here. You should write in St. Charles. That's the next, another teaser for you. You're like, what's happening? <laughs> what is this episode even about? I know. I'm sponsored by. I know. I know. I little husbands. I know. I- I love their, their line about at least I can do is check the fucking cookies. I'm like, yes, you can. Yeah, <laughs> can do that. That'll help us out too. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And yes, thank you so much for coming on. And, and on short notice too, I think I like literally was like, so you want to come next week? And you were like, yeah, <laughs> sure. I was on vacation. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to talk about whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. Thank and you. we'll have to have you back on to talk about the loss of your dad because that's yeah. a whole nother I know. Great journey. <laughs> yes. But yes, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us and our yeah. listeners. All right, gals. Thanks so much for listening to the Grimby Mamas Club podcast. When times get tough, just remember, you're a badass bee and you got this, mama. <laughs>